Good afternoon. I'm Dennis Vittorian, and this is the 25th hour helping you remember everything that happened beyond the 24-7 news cycle. While COVID has abated somewhat, it's not gone. And in the meantime, other health scares have reared their ugly heads in the form of monkeypox and polio, leading cable news anchors and health officials issuing warnings to New Yorkers to get their vaccines in order. Joining me today to talk about our myriad of health issues and more is Manhattan Borough President Mark Levine. Born in Chicago and raised in Maryland, Mark studied physics in Philadelphia and Spain, teaching math and science right after in the Bronx, before earning his master's in public policy at Harvard. Shortly afterwards, he founded the Neighborhood Trust Federal Credit Union and the Barack Obama Democratic Club of Upper Manhattan. After being elected to Manhattan's 7th District, representing neighborhoods such as the Upper West Side and West Harlem, Mark shepherded the creation of New York City's tenant right to counsel law and the creation of the city's first office for the prevention of hate, uh, for hate crime. Before being elected as Manhattan Borough President, Mr. Levine served as the chair of the council's Jewish caucus, as well as its parks and health committees, with the latter placing him right at the forefront of the COVID pandemic in New York City. Mr. Borough President, thank you so much for joining the 25th hour. It's an honor to have you here. Dennis, thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Let's start with polio. Ever since a wastewater sample of polio has been found in Rockland County in New York, Further samples have been found in New York City's wastewater. Now, I believe the conventional wisdom was that we were already done with polio. Have you seen any hospitalizations in your borough stemming from polio? What's your assessment right now? Well, Dennis, it's kind of uh, mind-boggling that we even need to talk about polio in 2022. And it's mm -hmm. just the latest chapter in what's been a really difficult period of public health challenges. Uh, I know we're all so exhausted by the last two and a half uh, going on three years. I think that this is going to be the new normal, that um, we're going to have to deal with future health challenges, future contagious diseases, and we're going to have to invest in public health systems to prepare for that in a way that, frankly, we hadn't in the years leading up to the COVID pandemic. Uh, I'm hoping that out of this comes uh, something positive. But what we've hit now with polio is the latest reminder of really have an unfortunate trend of vaccine skepticism mm. or outright anti-vaxxer movements mm. that have now impacted diseases well beyond COVID. And in fact, uh, the vaccine rate for polio had been declining for several years, even prior to COVID. And the individual who tragically suffered paralysis in Rockland County mm. uh, was part of a generation who was born in the early 2000s and whose family uh, opted not to get him vaccinated, and, and he's now paying the terrible price. But uh, in New York City, uh, we also see declining rates. Uh, now, uh, about 14% of the children aged five and under in the five boroughs of New York City are not vaccinated for polio. Mm. And if you look at a zip code by zip code view, you see some neighborhoods are 40% unvaccinated, and that makes us vulnerable. And so it's, it's, it's not shocking in that context that given the case of paralysis uh, identified in Rockland County, that now in New York City, a polio virus has been identified in our wastewater in, in I believe, six discrete samples. And that means that there are humans uh, in New York City who have polio. Now, thankfully, most cases of this disease are mild, even asymptomatic. Mm. And even those that are symptomatic, which is about a quarter of the cases, it's, it's flu-like symptoms that might not even be identified as a case of polio. Uh, really, it's only about one in 200 which result in, uh, in paralysis, which is the horrific result that, of course, we want to avoid. So thank goodness so far, um, no cases of paralysis have come to light in New York City. It's entirely possible that 
that one will uh, be identified or, or even more than one. But until now, um, thankfully, it hasn't happened. That, that shouldn't mean that people don't take steps to protect their children. Mm. Really, if, if you have kids who are unvaccinated for polio, now is the time to do it. What, what I have found is that uh, in some families where the child's not vaccinated, it's not really that it's an anti-vax ideology. It's just that you're not really forced to get a polio vaccine until your kid en- enrolls in school. Mm-hmm. And even though it's recommended to do it uh, as, as, a, as an infant, um, some families just don't get around to it. So I think those are the families that we have to reach now and say, if you were waiting, if you were delaying, you know, okay, we understand. Now's the time to act. And um, we have actually seen, I think, uh, an uptick in vaccination since uh, the cases reported in Rockton. So I'm hopeful, but we undoubtedly have more work to do to protect every child in the city. Got it. And for New Yorkers who, you know, were born and raised here or have started school here from a very young age and did get vaccinated when they were young. How about those New Yorkers who are just like me, who are now in adulthood, don't even remember if we got vaccinated. We don't even know how to get our hands on those types of records. Is there an easy way to catch yourself up on your own vaccination record? Well, if, if you um, were born and raised in New York City, absolutely. The city's health department has uh, a form you can fill out online. Uh, you can also access it by calling 311. I tweeted out the link a couple of days ago uh, if anyone wants to check. And, you know, I, I checked for, for, for my kids just to make doubly and triply sure. And, and, and thank goodness uh, we're all good there. But, of course, some people are not from New York City or they're even from other countries. So it can be complicated. Generally, if you uh, were born in, in the 1950s, mid 50s or later, uh, it's, it's a near certainty that you were vaccinated for polio in the United States. And if you are really, uh, you're not at risk, there's not a recommendation for booster shots at this point, for people mm-hmm. who are vaccinated as children. If you're, if you're uncertain, you can talk to your doctor, but there's no, there's no harm in getting uh, a booster, even if it turns out in the end you were vaccinated. So you know, if you're unsure and you can't find the documentation and you just want to put your mind at ease, talk to your doctor. But really what experts tell me is, there's no downside in getting uh, what could be an extra vaccine vaccine, or or perhaps it's your first one, you'll be bolstered. But if you are an adult who knows for sure you weren't vaccinated, and there are adults in New York City uh, who were not vaccinated and probably know it or can figure it out, mm. it is definitely recommended that you get the vaccine now. It's not too late. Do it. Even if you're an adult, typically the focus is on childhood vaccination. But if you're an adult and you know you weren't vaccinated, do it now. We heard you loud and clear, Mr. Borough President. And so speaking of further health scare, speaking of vaccines, I want to move on to talk about monkeypox. I mean, that's another health scare that seems to have ran the headlines um, at, right after things have sort of calmed down after COVID. So what are you seeing in terms of the situation with monkeypox? Have there been an increase in hospitalizations? Are we repeating the same mistakes that we committed uh it, at the outset of COVID. So I want to hear your thoughts about monkeypox. Oh, boy. Uh, it, it is really frustrating that certainly in the early days of dealing with monkeypox, we repeated some of the exact mistakes that we saw in the early days of COVID. Mm. Lack of testing capacity, lack of access to vaccines, lack of treatment options, inequality in who's getting access to all of these services. It, it just was incredibly frustrating. And it's a reminder that we have much, much more work to do to build out our public health systems. Mm. And, and if we think that COVID was a one-off, 
uh, and that we can go back to ignoring public health. Well, monkeypox has already proved us wrong. Mm. I would say that there is some good news uh, in recent weeks that we have um, been catching up. Still more work to do. But we actually start to saw, to see about, about three weeks ago, cases level off mm. uh, and even start to decline. Uh, but we, we are still seeing in New York City about 50 cases of monkeypox a day. So oh, wow. the risk is still there. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, not resulted in hospitalization. Uh, no fatalities, I believe, reported. But it is not a pleasant sickness. You do not want to get monkeypox. It is very painful. Uh, it can put you out of commission for two to four weeks, can leave permanent scarrings, and, and can also lead to long-term medical complications. You don't want monkeypox, period. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you do want to get the vaccine. But it has been in short supply. And in, in part, that's because New York City, which really has been the epicenter mm-hmm. of monkeypox in America, and specifically Manhattan has mm-hmm. been the epicenter of the epicenter. Uh, we just had not been getting our fair share of supply. We really, for most of the last couple of months, have been logging 30% of the cases nationally in New York City, while only getting about 10% of the vaccine supply. And that's why uh, it's been so hard to get vaccinated um, even at this point, about a week ago, uh, there was another big drop. I think about 7,000 uh, appointments were dropped and they were gone in an hour. It's just oh, wow. it's, it's, it, the demand is still way outstripping supply. Now, um, as we are recording tonight, uh, there is another big drop of about 12,000 cases. I'm going to be watching closely to see how quickly they uh, dry up. Um, it might indicate whether we're starting to meet demand or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but Unfortunately, uh, I have to say, Dennis, again, that we have seen inequality in, in who's been vaccinated for monkeypox, particularly stark in the African-American community, which has been estimated to be about 31 percent of those who are high risk, mm. um, which is uh, principally um, gay, bisexual and men having sex with men. Mm-hmm. But uh, while black New Yorkers make up 31 percent of those considered high risk, they only make up 12 percent of those who've been vaccinated so far. So oh, we've wow. got to do more to reach those communities to render to uh, rectify this inequality. But but we, we we don't want to completely go to sleep on this yet because mm-hmm. of the number of daily cases, because of the number of people unvaccinated, because of the inequality in access so far. So while I think we're all breathing a sigh of relief that the number of cases is stable and dropping, still more work to do. Are we seeing an even-handed uh, response from the medical community uh, pertaining to the? Uh, LGBTQ community. I mean, a lot of comparisons are being made to the way the government has handled HIV uh, and created such a stigma within the gay community. Are we seeing a better response this time around with monkeypox? As uh, as you mentioned, the one of the key demographics being disproportionately affected uh, uh, by monkeypox is the gay community. So are we seeing that uh, a better response from the medical community here? Well, I think c- c- compared to the the willful and criminal denial of mm. the early 1980s, uh, as the HIV AIDS crisis began to hit New York and the country, I, I think we've certainly made progress. But I'll also say that it's hard to ignore the fact that this country was slow to respond to monkeypox, a disease that, again, impacted a marginalized community, which is the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone in public health is, has struggled with this question of um, wanting to avoid stigmatizing gay and bisexual men, but also wanting to be clear who's at risk. Mm-hmm. And it is both true 
that anyone can get monkeypox and anyone can spread it. But at the same time, the vast majority of the spread has been happening within networks of men having sex with men. So that's a little bit of a nuanced and balanced message. And I'd say that it probably took public health leaders a little bit of time to get that right. And sometimes uh, for, for, for good reasons, because again, mm-hmm. they didn't want to stigmatize anybody, but mm-hmm. we have to be clear about, about communities that are at risk. And I, I think we've made progress on that front uh, in, in, in recent weeks in getting mm-hmm. the right messaging out, but, but uh, we're not out of the woods yet. And so I hope people still take this seriously. And speaking of progress, I mean, we're a little strapped for time, so I want to make sure that we uh, address COVID. I, if I walk down the street, it's, it seems as if we're definitely not where we were uh, two years ago and maybe not even a year ago. I, I feel like I walk down the street and I, I don't see people wearing masks as, as often anymore, even in the subway. It seems like there's a reduced compliance rate of wearing masks. So uh, how do you feel uh, about where we're at right now in terms of uh, COVID are, has has mutations uh, have mutations been on the rise? Um, we're getting recent news about a new COVID booster that's going to be authorized if it hasn't already been. So uh, where are you uh, now in terms of how do you feel about COVID? Well, COVID's still circulating in New York City um, in, in a very contagious uh, variant, but we've also got tools at our disposal that we didn't have uh, as recently as the Omicron wave. Uh, Treatments like Paxlovid, which uh, have been a game change, just saved countless lives and kept people out of the hospital mm-hmm. uh, quite successfully. And there's no doubt that there's a lot of immunity uh, in the population due to the fact that so many of us have gotten and recovered uh, from this virus and, and so many of us have been vaccinated. So we are better protected, but there's still risk and we don't want people to ignore it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that we are no longer in the kind of acute crisis stage that we have been for much of the past two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, but COVID hasn't disappeared. And in each of the last three winter seasons, late fall, winter seasons, 2020, 2021, 2022, New York City saw a pretty significant rise. And that is cause for caution as we enter into the fall. And why we still need to be vigilant and be and be ready to put in place more robust measures as needed. Mm-hmm. And do you agree with the recent policy change to lift certain COVID restrictions in schools that have been passed down recently by the governor? Well, the governor and 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 the city are following CDC guidelines, mm. um, uh, really particularly relaxing uh, quarantining and isolation. My 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 concern is that we're not. Um, pushing vaccination enough, that vaccination has really stalled citywide among all age groups, but particularly among young people. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's really slowed to a trickle for the last six months. We need, a, I think we need a renewed campaign to vaccinate mm-hmm. young people as the school year begins again. Uh, that's that's going to be really critical to protect people in a time where um, masking is not mandatory in schools, where the isolation um, protocols are less intense. So I think we still have work to do uh, to keep kids safe in the schools. But um, thankfully, uh, the threat level is not what it was uh, in the worst days of the past two and a half years. Mm -hmm. So how do you feel your time as uh, chair of the council's health committee has prepared you for the recent health scares in Manhattan? Uh, Besides 
our epidemiological problems, you know, what else has been your priority as well as Manhattan Borough President? Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I'm going to be a public health warrior for the rest of my life. <laughs> and uh, I think w whatever job I have, and uh, I think it's going to be a challenge for society for years to come, uh, which I've spoken about. But as, as Manhattan Borough Pre President, it's only one of many priorities I have to focus on. We are extremely concerned about uh, the affordable housing crisis at a time mm. when the median rents in Manhattan for market rate apartments are now over $5,000 a month. Yeah. Uh, it's pushing out not just low income people, but even middle class mm -hmm. New Yorkers uh, who can't afford to rent an apartment here. And so we have got to create more housing, especially more affordable housing. Mm. Sometimes the politics around that are tough. Mm -hmm. but we're just going to have to do it. I am also concerned about vulnerable tenants coming out of the pandemic. You had mentioned uh, something I'm very proud of, passing legislation to make this the first place in America with the right to counsel for tenants facing eviction. Mm -hmm. It's been, it's been um, it just changed everything about housing court. It's kept thousands of families in their home, but the number of evictions coming out of the pandemic is so much mm -hmm. that it's overwhelming the legal service providers. And there are thousands of tenants who are not getting their right to counsel fulfilled and that's undoubtedly leading to evictions, which mm. are on the rise. So still fighting for tenants for sure. And then um, I'll just mention very quick um, what we're doing uh, on climate and resiliency. Uh, mm. I really want uh, Manhattan to lead in the race to carbon neutrality. Mm. And I want us to uh, deal with the climate changes already, that's already here. We are a small island on the edge of the Atlantic, and we're vulnerable to storms and flooding and even heavy rain events, uh, heat waves and more. And we've got to do more to protect this island. So uh, a big engine, a big agenda, but uh, it's been a great eight months so far. And I feel really fortunate to be in this role at this time. And a lot more to come. Uh, Mr. Borough President, we have a lightning round of uh, just a couple of topics to end our time here. Um, so I'm going to begin just by mentioning uh, how have you been dealing with the immigrant busing issue from Texas to New York? You know, Dennis, I was at the Port Authority bus terminal this morning. Mm. Uh, we had a record number of arrivals today. About 250 uh, asylum seekers came on buses this morning. Uh, women, children, uh, men, mostly mostly young people, young adults. I'm just outraged by the way they have been treated prior to coming to New York City mm. uh, by just the, the heartless and, and cynical actions of Governor Abbott in Texas, treating these um, people like pawns. But I'm also really uh, proud of how New York is rallied. Mm. Uh, what I saw uh, at the Port Authority bus terminal today uh, was a really impressive operation to um, help connect uh, arriving uh, migrants to medical care, to food, to, to shelter, uh, to family services. And it's going to be a big challenge because we're averaging about 100 new arrivals a day. Mm. And it's going to be taxing on, on our systems here. And it's why I really believe the federal government has to step up with resources to help. But New York City has dealt with this kind of challenge before. We're going to do it again. And it's who we are. We are mm. the city that has welcomed refugees for hundreds of years. It's why the Statue of Liberty is in New York Harbor. And uh, to me, it's the it's the American way. And I'm proud that New York City uh, is leading with compassion on this once again. Well said, Mr. Borough President. Um, do you have any comment about the uh, results of, well, yesterday, as of the time of this recording, uh, yesterday's elections? Uh, well, I, I'm excited to work with uh, the winners of all the primaries up and down the ballot. Jerry Nadler, a Congress member, uh, has been a progressive icon. Uh, incredibly excited to work with him. 
Uh, we have a, a young, dynamic state senator who represents part of Queens uh, and, and Manhattan, Kristen Gonzalez, uh, excited to work with her uh, and many others up and down the district. Uh, it's it's, it's going to be a, a great couple of years ahead with some new leaders, some returning veterans. And I, I look forward to getting down to work uh, with all the leadership in Manhattan, city, state and federal level. Well, that's it for our, our time together, Mr. Borough President. There's obviously so many other things I could ask you, but you're a busy man, so I have to let you go. Uh, and that's it for this week's show of the 25th Hour. I want to thank you, uh, Mr. Borough President, for joining us. Dennis, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And that's it for the 25th Hour, helping you stay on top of the 24-7 news cycle. Don't forget to rate us wherever you get your podcasts. Share us with your friends and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. You can email your tips and suggestions at the 25th Hour News at gmail.com and become a patron today to support the show. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>